Dimp Digital presents Idle Game Chat. Cool. Hello Apps here from Dimp Digital, welcome to Idle Game Chat. This is the weekly video games podcast where we give our impressions of the games that you can play today and react to the latest buzz from the wonderful world of video games. We're here every Monday on your favourite podcast app and YouTube absolutely free. This week I'm joined once again by our returning resident referee, it's Logan. How's it going? Yeah, good. Glad to be back again. We were just saying off air how long it's been. It doesn't feel like that long at all, but looks like it's probably been a couple of months. So, yeah, yeah good you, to be back here. You got bloody hell. <laughs> Caught him by surprise. For all the, oh, all the audio listeners there, my beer just frothed up. Bloody hell, that's mm. come out of that Xbox fridge. Right. Lucky I ain't done that review yet. That's going to go down in the old... Uh, <laughs> hmm. Should have. Opened. Why do I insist on opening it on air? I did just wonder to myself. I looked at it and I thought, why has that been? I'm, out of everything that we've just been through, yep. the minutest sound of a dog barking, <laughs> and you've reset it, and then you decide <laughs> to try and open a can live on air. I know, and I fucked the whole thing up now. But I need to just do that off air. That would have happened perhaps on the stream in the pre-show, but not directly for you guys that are uh, that are listening on your your Monday mornings. But yes, it's been a while since we've had you back on. It's good to get you here. Um, I wondered whether you was going to be in good spirits because you sounded a bit pissy today when I was messaging you about the, you know, the back and forth and whatnot, trying to get the rundown over to you. But you seem in good spirits, so maybe. Uh... Sometimes I just like to see how difficult I, I have this like ongoing game with you. Sometimes where I see how difficult I can make things for you without getting you annoyed. Yes, I do. Like, it's a little game that I've played over the years, and it still is one that I like doing. Um, but no, I'm in good spirits today. All good. Good. Well, let's get straight into it. We're going to start off with a quick update to the Fantasy Gaming League, because I ignored that for the last week or so. Um, we've had a few games out, but I thought I'd just check in and, and share some of the scores for some of the stuff that has come since our last check-in. So Dying Light 2, Stay Human, has popped out. And that got itself a nice 77. That's for Team Parky. So hashtag sensational have bagged that one. Sifu as well. That's another Parky one. 80. Pretty good score for an indie title. And they hit 500,000 players in the first week. So congrats to those guys. Um, and then Biff has pulled out, pulled a bit of a rabbit out of the bag here with uh, Ollie Ollie World. He's got himself an 86 in the Grand Prix. So in the championship... Papers boys still had three games out and they're sitting on a 2-4-4. Parky's team, hashtag sensational, on one five seven, but they have only got two games out. Although, Paper has an 81 average and uh, Parky has a 79. You're on Papers boys, so you're not... Yep. It's basically team train versus the normies, I guess. Mm. Um, you and Paper have had plenty of run-ins in the past... You got Adkins there causing problems, and then Pac-Man. How are you feeling about being on that team? Yeah, well, when I listened to the podcast, I saw how it was unfolding, and I did think, I wonder if he'll 
go with his little train allies, either consciously or subconsciously, depending on Paper's picks. And yeah. um, it did work out that way. I mean, it feels like they need to be taken down a notch. <laughs> and strangely, I mean, my instinct is to kind of self-implode Paper as best as possible. And that has been the goal over 20 years nearly. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I think you know. I think we've got a good team, and I think Adcock's initial pick was an interesting one. And that was the one that kind of jumped out at me, and I went, "What are you doing, Adcock? <laughs> You're better than that." He is, yeah. So, uh, um, but no, you know, I think again, it'll be another good year. I think I must admit, you know, I think lately the past few years have been better years, if that makes sense, in terms mm. of it being an interesting competition. You used to just kind of pick your games and then see what happens, but. Um, there seems to be a lot more to it and a lot more interest in it these days. So, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it so far. And hopefully it'll be a better year for, for games being released, which makes it a bit more interesting. Yeah, it was tough last year for sure. And um, mm. it, it seems on paper this one should be should be better, but you never know really. All sorts could happen. You, you just for your team in the Grand Prix, you've got yourself an 85 Pokemon Legends Arceus, which we're going to talk about mm. later on. Um, yeah. So that's not a bad start for you, but you committed the cardinal sin of having two blanks to kick things off. So an immediate two transfers are going to be required for you to be competitive. So it's it's kind of mm. snookered you a little bit there. Yeah, that's just sloppiness. I was trying to remember. Obviously, there was uh, the deadline issues that that occurred, and mm. I always thought that twenty games was what I used what I put through last year. Mm. But it's not. It's twenty five. So that's just an oversight from me. Um, so yeah, I'm already chasing the pack. Not ideal, but Pokemon's bailed you out there, so that's a good start for sure. Um, you can't be mm. can't be complaining or sniffing at that because that I felt that could have gone either way. And you've got God of War Ragnarok as your top pick, so if it comes out, expected to to pull in the big guns. Um, for those that are listening or, or watching, unless you're one of our patrons, you may have you may have early access to this, so patreon.com forward slash dimp digital you sometimes get it a day two maybe three days early uh, it depends on the scheduling but I, I never write that down as a promise it's sort of like best endeavors but the scores for horizon forbidden west should be out by now unless you're in america as well because it comes out super late at night there um so at this stage logan we're sitting here and they know more than us most of them and that's got that's got big ram- ramifications for the the fantasy gaming league We'll touch upon that next week once we've got an idea of what the actual score is. Um, mm. But the, the only thing I wanted to call out for people that are looking at Forbidden West is, and most people know this, but there are still people out there. If you're planning to buy this game in the launch window, you can save yourself 10 quid, 10 dollars, 10 euros, 10 pound in real money by buying the PS4 version because it's one of the very few, in fact, it might be the only uh, Sony published and developed game that is doing a free upgrade from PS4 to PS5. And we spoke about that last year when basically Jim Ryan blew it and was like, wow, yeah, we've walked that back. Now we're going to be offering it. So if you're in the market for that in the next week or so, get the PS4 version and you can upgrade it for free on your PS5 if if you're lucky enough to have one. Now, I will heed caution because it'll be very Sony if on Friday people buy the PS4 version on their PS5s, upgrade it, Go to play it, and there's some sort of licensing or upgrade issue. You know, Sony aren't to be trusted with things like that. So that would be my only warning to you: is that I, I foresee this scenario where they completely balls it up, and people can't access it. And if you just bought it for seventy quid, you would have been able to get it anyway. 
little tip for people there. Obviously, if you're a physical collector, it should be cheaper in the shops. So you can also do that as well and take advantage. It's the same um, upgrade as far as I'm aware. Anyway, into the proper news. Headline. It's comes from Windows Central. Halo Infinite's numbers have fallen sharply since launch. So here's some data. 200k on Steam it launched on. 20 million players in total have played the game. Infinite's player count has now dropped to about 10 to 20k. That's quite a quite a big drop off. Um, there's just, there's multiple issues that people may have cited for this and recent fixes. We've called out things like um, the progression and the battle pass and things like that. But what is what's going on here? Because this is this is the thing we've seen. Vanguard with with relatively disappointing sales, still pissing it in most of the you know the sales charts, but a forty percent drop off from the previous year. Battlefield twenty forty two has been what can only be described as an unmitigated disaster at this point. They're not even getting their season one ready now until summer. Season one, the game's been out three months. What are they doing? So that's absolute grade A to it. Halo, the door was open. Has has great great gameplay questionable progression um, and monetization on top of that but as a free to play title I don't know I felt like this would be still brimming with it why and I'm making an assumption here maybe you haven't why have you stopped playing Halo regularly um probably a few reasons I mean I've been hugely distracted by Football Manager. Mm. Like, there's, there's no doubt about that. That's been a huge distraction. And that's all via um, that Game Pass to it. Yeah. Playing Co-op Seasons or something with Peewee, I've been seeing. Yes, correct, yeah. So that's taken over lives, which hasn't helped. Um, I mean, no one else other than me seems to be particularly interested in it. So if I'm going to play it, I'm playing it by myself. And I've never particularly been that interested in picking up many online multiplayer shooters and just sitting there by myself, like, unless I'm just playing one or two games mm. for some reason. <clears throat> um, but it's just, I think, I think it boils down to this, right? That nowadays, just that bog standard multiplayer modes are not enough for people in terms of, mixing up the gameplay and battle royale i think has really really ruined standard what you'd probably consider traditional multiplayer modes right. um the great thing about battle royale and everyone goes how can you play that same map same thing over and over again is because every game in some way is different but there's no you know when you're playing a multiplayer map you're going to the same points people with the same guns with the same interactions pretty much over and over again like it's mm. it is rinse and repeat right but a lot of time, these battle royale interactions are different every game. Some game you drop, you die instantly. Some games you drop, you don't, and you last at the end. Like every game has got a different length, a different interaction, and this kind of element of unknown over it. Mm. Um, and I just think people love that. I think that's where the replayability comes from, and I really think that's exposed. Um, you know, casual multiplayer, if you like, modes as what they are which is ultimately pretty boring and the thing that's kept a lot of people going back for that is to you know grind away for gun camos or grind progression for a battle pass to get things but because the progression has been so 
took mm. that I think that's put a lot of people off. And <clears throat> I just think, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just fatigued very quickly, I think is the way to describe it. Other, you know, you can have that hardcore group that still play it, but for the casual minority, it's, it's a problem. And it also... Well, you know, are they the th- casual majority at this point, though? Surely they're outnumbering. I think a huge amount of people are still playing uh, Warzone. They are. You can, uh, you can see yeah. it in the top played stuff. They absolutely are. They're playing that and and still Fortnite. Still. Yeah. There's no, you, you've only got to look at the, the top played in terms of free markets. Those two are always the ones lurking. And what's, There's the, a bigger, what's, the, what's the common theme? They're both Battle Royales. Yeah. And that's what, you know, that's realistically what people want to play. And, you know, I remember... Um, good old Doctor Disrespect said months ago when Halo was still a doubt for release and all this kind of stuff he was saying if they release a free to play Battle Royale map within their game he said it will just absolutely be a sensation Mm. Um, but they didn't Um, and they haven't they may do but they haven't yet Um, and I haven't seen any real murmurings that it's in the works so I think that was a massive opportunity miss for them. Mm. I mean, but it's difficult. I mean, it's still a very solid game. It's not, oh, yeah. you know, it's not a bad multiplayer, but, you know, you, it's, there's a bigger market these days to compete with. There's a, it's yeah. a much more level, level playing field than it used to be in the past. And I think, sadly, sadly or not sadly, but, you know, I don't think just releasing a game with those standard multiplayer modes is good enough other than just for that hardcore you know halo fan base yeah I mean, that would be my thoughts on it the advantage that vanguard and, and call of duty has is that it kind of is tied to warzone in a way that this way the seasons work so there is a little bit of like oh i can dive in there to help my warzone exploits and whatnot so the majority of people are playing for, i mean that vanguard multiplayer is diabolical right the people ain't playing that vanguard multiplayer multiplayer for any other reason than to level up weapons and unlock um guns and things because the meta on on warzone changes all the time and they buff certain guns people are constantly chasing that meta Hmm. so you'll get you'll spend all this time and effort and gameplay getting a gun leveled up to get all the right and the best attachments and then two weeks later vanguard uh, warzone will update and rebalance some of the weapons and there'll be a new meta gun and then you're back to that vanguard grind or whatever so that's the way that they've kind of successfully done it is that you're you're playing multiplayer really to level up the guns for for playing Warzone. Mm. That's the that's the, the real driver. Again, you'll have that hardcore yep. minority of players that just want to play those those multiplayer games or that might for some peculiar reason like Vanguard. Yeah. Um but that's really what they're all on there doing. So if they come out and went, Oh, look at how many players we've got, it's like, well, if you didn't have that Warzone propping you up, would you have all that, really? Yeah. So it's, well, it's an unanswerable question now because it's there. So the, the well has been well and truly poisoned. <clears throat> I think one thing also that's not helping the PC numbers in particular, because the, the numbers I quoted there were on PC, they, they were making remarks that <clears throat> Infinite on, on Xbox ecosystem had gone from fifth to sixth behind Roblox. And I was like, well, that's not a complete disaster. Like that's still pretty well played, but PC side you can clearly see there's been a sharp decline in in players. And I've been reading about these cheaters are still on there running riot. So whenever I saw you, some of them, yeah. Whenever whenever you've got that in your game and it's rife and you can't you can't stamp it out, you are going mm. to struggle. 
makes me makes me wonder if one day they um with the 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 impending acquisition of Activision Blizzard, whether that Battle.net gets installed. Because I've heard that anti cheat's meant to be pretty uh pretty good, but that's all stuff for a future time. No. Just wanted to check in with you since you're much more of a multiplayer and service game aficionado than me or Adkins or anyone else really that comes on here semi-regularly. So always good to get your perspective. Next one. This is from Video Games Chronicle. Microsoft has claimed it will continue to release Activision Blizzard games such as Call of Duty on PlayStation platforms beyond existing agreements. We will eventually get to a week where we haven't got to talk about this, to, but this to me and to, to many others felt like a bit of a, a much clearer outlook of what might be happening. Blah, blah, blah. They're going to be purchased for 68 point whatever it is billion in a, in a blog that they published on Microsoft's website. A very strange blog. The whole blog itself was mainly around... It was like a letter to the FTC saying, look, we're going to do all these good things so we're not anti-competitive around our app store, blah, blah, blah. And then just in the middle of it, randomly, there's like a, 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 like a paragraph about Xbox and, and Call of Duty. So, quote, First, some commentators have asked whether we will continue to make popular content like Activision's Call of Duty available on competing platforms like Sony PlayStation. The obvious concern is that Microsoft could make this title available exclusively only on Xbox consoles, undermining opportunities for PlayStation users. To be clear, Microsoft will continue to make Call of Duty and other popular Activision Blizzard titles available on PlayStation through the term of any existing agreement with Activision. And we have committed to Sony that we will also make them available on PlayStation beyond the existing agreement and into the future so that Sony fans can continue and enjoy the games they love. He also added, also, we're also interested in taking similar steps to support Nintendo's successful platform. Doesn't call it the Switch, just known as Nintendo's successful platform. Bit weird. Because these things are vetted by dozens of people, aren't they, before they go out. I just find that weird that that's not name-checked. He's like, nope, not, not going to call it the Switch. We they didn't say Sony PlayStation either, did they? No, they did say. They said Sony PlayStation. Oh, yeah, they did say that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, did say PS5. We believe mm. this is the right thing to do for industry, for gamers, and our business. So that was a, a blog that was published by um, by Microsoft. wasn't wasn't coming from Phil. Can't remember the fucking guy's name now. I'll look it up when you're talking. But um, Phil didn't say that. That's one of the vice presidents that came out of that old line there. So interesting to see that Phil's not got onto the blog sheet there. Before we dissect anything, what does this mean to you? Because you've you've sat here in chats. I've heard you sitting there waffing off about how Phil's. Not in it to be given others opportunities. Smell that coffee. Waving the old big dick around. Mm. I caught you. So now, what's this? What's this saying to you? Well, I think clearly they can't repaper the existing agreements. They have to one of those because the company's already agreed to it. Um, I and this is how I thought at the time. I wondered how concerned Microsoft would be that. The Competition Commission, which I presume is the US version of being the FTC Fair Trade Commission or something like yeah. that, I presume it is, are basically looking at it going, Well, how big you getting? Yeah. yeah, what's going on here? Um, and I think they would get 
I think there'd be concern from that commission if they went, yep, yeah, we're just going to lock all this stuff up, stuff up on our Xbox and that'll be that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's the right lip service you'd want to be giving. You'd be going, yeah, 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 we've bought it, but we ain't going to just lock it all down. And we can't, and the thing, the thing is, they can't do that with the existing agreements. No. Whether they do it in future or not, I don't know. I mean, I think you, you can say what you want in future. It don't mean anything. Like, <laughs> it, it does it. Three years' time, the whole world could, the, like, the landscape could be different. So True, true. I mean, I don't know. You, you, you do wonder why they've bought it. I mean, mm. are, is there certain, are they not too worried about Call of Duty? They're quite happy to leave some of these franchises to make them some money and they actually want to do, use them for their own little thing on the side, which they think is going to be kind of bigger and better things for Xbox. You just don't know. Mm. Um, but when they say it's the right thing for the business, I think what he's saying is, is it's going to bring in a shitload of money and yeah. we don't really want to stop that. No. Like, you do the maths and yeah. it might be short-term play, but if you didn't mm. upset that boat, you'd make you'd be seen to be made loads of money. Now, there is obviously the, the argument to be made, well, the long-term strategy is you want to get people off PlayStation and onto Xbox. But mm. you see, I, I agree with your first point around this being more of like a... You know, don't come and look too hard at this deal. We look, we're not here to do anything aggressive. We're just, you know, yeah. we're, it's like, look, we're, we're fair guys. Yeah. You know, we're here for the gamers, and it's like, come on, don't lie. come on, you're a business. Yeah, you haven't bought that because you think, you know, you bought that because it's a good financial investment for whatever reason. Mm. Yeah. Um, the fellow's name was Brad Smith. Brad, big Brad, coming out with that, and because Phil would, Brad. Phil would done that tweet where he was like, Des- he said there's a desire to keep it there. We intend. Mm-hmm. It's all like words like that. You can be like, well, you you yeah. can desire all you want, but then if you say, look, yeah. we want 100 percent cut from everything on PlayStation, Call of Duty, and Sony say no, you yeah. say, well, we tried. We made yeah. it really difficult, but we tried. I I don't yeah. think they will walk it back simply because, from what I understand, it, even once this has gone through this acquisition. The FTC could look look at it again in future, mm. like, they, like they tried to do with. Um, I think they've tried to do it with WhatsApp and and Meta now. They want to un- yeah. un- Instagram. They want to unwind a couple of those, and it's like that's what they're trying to do now. So it would be um, it would be a bit of a ballsy move to do that because you're just inviting pressure and scrutiny, which I don't think any of them want. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like this means that it's going to carry on BAU. Whether that whether that does still entail Call of Duty coming out every year, I don't know. I could, Bloody hope not. No, well, I, that's the thing. I think they've got all these. Everyone keeps talking about all the great IPs they've got, blah blah blah, and it's like yeah, they have, but they're all geared towards Call of Duty every year. So unless you you take a, take a hit there, you're not going to have to work on these other franchises. So they're going to have to undo all that. Is this the um, the potential start? of perhaps more friendly relations between Sony and Microsoft. You know, we've had Big Jim come out with, with Bungie and say, yep, yeah, everything's multi-platform for them in the future. That's clearly Bungie's, you know, you're not buying us unless we can do that jobby, but needless to say, they've they've made that concession. Now we've got Call of Duty looking like it's going to stay multi-platform. Um, could we see them being a bit closer and perhaps... You know, not as I'll have this, you won't be having that jobby, or is this simply FTC are, s- are sniffing around this? Let's just take the concession here and be like, right, we'll move on. N- next, next fucking publisher we buy, that's all going exclusive. Don't you worry. Yeah, I mean, I 
<clears throat> I think you know, business is being business. It's you know, I don't think people are in business to be part, like sort of all pally and chummy with the competitors. Really, what if it? I don't, what if though, by creating a not a united front, but a strong relationship with someone like Sony and Nintendo means that it kind of protects all three of them from Amazon, Google. Tencent making moves directly into the gaming market because at least the good thing about or at least with Phil under the Microsoft gaming leadership is we've said this for a long time he knows his mm. games like he's there to he's, I genuinely think he's there to do one a good job for Microsoft but two make things better for players where he can within the the mm. framework of a of business that needs to make money yeah. but I don't be trusting these these Amazon likes coming in no one Google with Stadia they announced they're going to bin that now they're like right winding that down that was a fucking flop. So do you mm. really want these guys coming in and buying up the people that make Call of Duty and then going, ah, fucked it, can't do it anymore? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Could it be that sort of play? Yeah. I mean, you look at it. I mean, Apple have made relatively few mistakes. Mm. Uh, Google, you have to argue, have made very few mistakes. Um, you know, Google they've Glass. got so much money. They've got too much money, yeah, that's but, the thing. It's not really... It's a mistake to us, but to them, it's like, well... To them, it's a worth a try. It's <laughs> like a little gamble. Like, you, some of... You know, not everything's going to work, but, you know, you look... Considering they started off as a search engine, and now <laughs> I've got Wi-Fi and, like, an operating system on my phone all supplied yeah. by Google, yeah. and, like, you name it. Like, in tech, they're, 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 they're really up there, and... Um, I don't know, really. I mean, do I care, really? If you said to me, oh, you know, are you worried about... I hardly... Microsoft PCs have been shite for years. Like, <laughs> Microsoft isn't exactly a name that's steeped in a history of giving value to customers and everything anyway. Like, no. I don't know. I mean, ultimately, as long as I can play good games at reasonable prices with my friends and by myself, I couldn't give a toss who owns it. No. It really doesn't make any difference to me. Um, but I think you know clearly it would be beneficial to everyone if they all sort of did their thing and were there was niceties involved and whatnot. But I wonder whether it's just an element of playing to the crowd a little bit. You know, every it's like realistically, I don't want to have to buy two consoles for a start. Yeah. I mean, it'd do me a favour if one of them did go. Like <laughs> it really, it would. I don't need the hassle of having two consoles, two subscriptions. <laughs> no, well, like. So, do I really even want to? Do I really want a Sony and an Xbox? Well, what if you could have two, but everything was playable anyway? So you just choose whatever colour box looks nicer underneath your telly, and that's the difference. Yeah, but that's the utopia that, that I want. It's yeah, but that would be the ultimate because then you've got actual. The thing is, really, what it should be is, in my ideal world, it's a competition around the technology they're providing, mm. not around the games that are available on that console. So really, I'd like them to be compete. I'd I'd like everything to be available on both, and yeah. that drives better, you know, cheaper subscription models. It drives better technology. It drives everything because the drive isn't then. There's no complacency because you go, oh, if you want to play Gears of War or Halo, you've got to have an Xbox. So if you want yeah. to play Horizon, you've got to have a PlayStation. Like you're you're not hamstrung by that. You're you're literally a slave to the best value. Um, yeah. And that's really the utopia, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. No, probably um, not. you're probably correct. But yeah, Shelley says yes. You do want competition because monopolies are always bad for the consumer. Agreed, absolutely agreed. Well, anyway, the end of this story. If they stick to what they're saying here, 
It's a, it feels a bit more clearer that that's what's going to happen. This, mm. to me, pretty good news for players on, on either of those because those that like Sony or have or, or those that have already invested in a PS5, you know, now they haven't really got that sort of Damocles hanging over their head going, oh, in three years, that might be gone. They should be able to now just get their head down and enjoy... They're probably yeah. enjoying Warzone, to be honest, like you alluded to earlier, this Battle Royale, but it's not going to be a concern think, for them. Think how bad the PR would be for Xbox yeah. in terms of their position or gamers if they went, yep. ah, bad luck, <laughs> we've bought it, our console only, mm. come to Xbox or you ain't going to play it. Like... That would make me think, well, do you know what? Fuck you. I was going to buy your console anyway at some point, but I ain't now, just out of principle. Like, I just think in terms of PR and everything, that would be a really bad move anyway at the moment. So I think that there's an element of lip service to the, the um, fair trade piece so they don't get called a monopoly. I think there's an element of kind of good PR to the gaming industry to get some, some good favour there, and I think they'll wait for it all to settle down before they make any future decisions on it. Yeah, tend to agree. Right, I've got a couple of what I call time-permitting pieces. So these are quick brush-over yep. jobbies. And one mm-hmm. that's, that's... I mean, this week, really, the the news and events has really fallen in your favour. It seems like every time you come on, there's something to talk about with Assassin's Creed. I've yep. I've had my hair cut. Also, yep. that's, that's also another common theme. And uh, we ended last year talking about how Nintendo had shifted out a load of games and we weren't particular fans of them. But they didn't have a bad year. And their Direct has set up that again. They've released, well, not released, they've announced a load of games. Not of much interest to me, but it looks like it's going to be another one of those years where you can't sit at the end of the year and say, well, Switch hasn't had anything. Um, because it is, it's going to have all sorts in there. With the Wii, well, not Wii Sports, it'll be called Switch Sports making its yeah. return. Any opinion on that? Would you, has that phase passed now? With like Wii I'm surprised. When motion? I read they were doing that, I was like, why are we. You've tried that and it didn't really work for you. So why are we? It did. They made fortunes it? off that Wii Sports. Oh, it yeah, wasn't no good it, for it core was, gamers, but Nana had it one. It was a gimmick. It was a gimmick it thing. Was a gimmick. I mean, you're right. You know, maybe it does. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it does better than I think it does. But it's all. Everyone seemed to always have one, but never used it. So I'm surprised <laughs> if people have fallen for the same trick twice. Well, uh, well yeah. they're falling for the same tricks every year of Nintendo. In my view, that cult, but. Not to it's say a bit that. different. Well, <laughs> I'm joking. It's, it uh, cult, they haven't got that thing that used to go across the top. I no, remember the sensor, it. I yeah. it on top of, yeah, on top of the TV. So it might have to come with like a little extra for you to be able to do it. But for a handset, what is established now as a handheld console to be doing something like that, you go. Well, them Joy Cons making all the difference, having it all built in. Don't know. Uh, the, the only uh, thing that I, Kirby looked better than I anticipated. So yeah. that's. That's definitely still wait for review, Jobby, but that's on the radar. Um, and that's not that's not far away. It's like a month or so away. Um, mm. And then I would love to enjoy Xenoblade Chronicles 3. That looks like right up my alley. But I haven't played the first two. And <laughs> Nintendo bodged that for me because they released the Switch. I didn't have a Wii U, nor did anyone. It was the mm. worst selling console I think they ever pumped out. And mm. they released Xenoblade Chronicles 2 just on that. It's the first game. I'm like, right... We're sitting around waiting, thumbs up asses. <laughs> then they did get round to it and remaster Xenoblade Chronicles and put it on the Switch. But by that point, you're two games behind and they've pumped this third mm-hmm. one on and Ronnie's not going to accept that. I was talking yeah. to Adkins about this and it's like it's 200 hours almost to catch up. So it's a lot of time. Rodney's not happy either. But 
that's about all I picked out from there. It'd be another good year for those that are that are kind of knees deep into the Nintendo stuff. But I'm there for the crown jewels: Zelda, Mario. Kirby's not a crown jewel, but he might he might do a good time. Mm. Bayonetta three. I was looking forward to seeing that, but didn't see any of that. But worth a look for people to catch up on if they're interested. And then just flipping back to Assassin's Creed, a couple of things. We got a nice six minute or so trailer about the upcoming expansion, Dawn of Ragnarok. Got it out before God of War, fuming Sony. Like, right, stealing our thunder with this Norse crap. What? Did you did you watch the trailer? And uh, no, you didn't. No. And that's deliberate though, because um, I'm not. If there's things that I want to buy anyway, and that I'm going to get anyway, I don't see the reason for me to. To watch, watch, yeah, watch it. Like, I, I'd usually, I'd watch a trailer and stuff if I'm thinking, right, what's this about, or try and get a bit of an idea of the gameplay. But it's already locked in. <laughs> I know I'm going to buy it. Like, it, it's not going to add anything. But I, I, I don't. I think the question for me is, at what point am I going to get that? Right. Um, and I, I suspect I will buckle pretty yeah. quickly on it. Yeah. Um, I'll be I'll be looking at it. It's quite a lot of detail in in different blogs and whatnot. I won't go through it all here, but those that have seen it know it's coming. And just that, I thought it was funny that days before your appearance that drops, and I was like, well, Assassin's Creed will get brought up then by hook or by crook, and there's yeah. a reason to. Um, it'll be two years this year but since that game come out. If we get to November and we're still playing it, that's the real live service. I have been. I have. Yeah, I think it. You know, I jumped on there a couple of weeks back to finish off a couple of missions that they'd added on, and I mm. quite I quite liked that. It was a nice little addition. Found I had a bear to mount, which I didn't know was there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, you know, I think I was a little bit fatigued with it a little while ago, but it's one of those games where I, I, I do enjoy it, and I did enjoy playing it. I like the gameplay, mm. and I like the... the the, the whole environment I like everything about it. it you know there's some things that gripe for me um, but it is it is a good game to drop for a couple of months and then yeah. pick up again yeah. it almost is like a muscle memory game like you don't often forget a lot about it it, it comes no, back to it really takes me about 5-10 minutes and then I'm like okay mm. that's what block is that's what yeah. dodge is fine and I'm away mm. so that's that and then reportedly so this is a bit of rumour and innuendo Smaller stealth-focused Assassin's Creed game coming um, either at the end of this year or 2023, starring Basim. Um, so they're reportedly doing a smaller-scale stealth-focused Creed game before this Assassin's Creed Infinity, I think it's called. I can't remember what they, they called it now. Is coming in in the coming years. Mm. So it's, apparently this started off as an expansion for Valhalla, but somewhere along the line it was decoupled from that, which I don't. It's probably a sensible move because that that is Avil's story and Odin's, yeah. not yeah. not not Basim's. Um, would you be interested in that? Say next year when they say, "Look, we've wrapped up on Valhalla now. Here's a little tide you over to the next game. It's uh, it's a bit more stealth focused." Or are you sort of like, "Well, if I can skip the next Creed, I'll be taking that opportunity." Well, I think the key word there is stealth orientated, mm. which isn't really my <laughs> my bread and butter, is it? As we know, well, um, no. I mean, I, I I don't know. Possibly, but I I thought Basin was a bit of a he's a fucking layabout. No, he ain't, he ain't. It was a bit of a nothing character in it, but mm. I, I did get the sense that there was more going on. If that make like, if you understand what I mean, like, yeah. I've always thought there's a bigger 
part to this whole story than I'm figuring out through Valhalla, mm. um, which now makes sense because they're doing this extra kind of um, backstory bit. But yeah. yeah, maybe maybe if it's sort of twenty twenty five hours, I'd I'd consider picking it up. It depends whether I could still just go in there and blitz it if I wanted to. If I can do that, then I'm happy. I don't mind a little bit. Assassin's Creed Stealth is very forgiving. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not It's not super like if you're spotted, you're dead sort of thing. No. Um, so I can deal with it. But if it is okay like that, then I'd, I would consider picking it up, yeah. And obviously for the right price, I ain't paying 55 quid for it or whatever. Fair enough. When we know more, we will... Well, it, it might come in a really busy week and it doesn't get covered, but, you know... Mm. We'll see. We won't, we won't be finding out that until after Dawn of Ragnarok at the very least because they don't want to be pulling people's attention away from that. Mm. Right. Let's get into it then. The main event. We're going a bit old school, this one. Although for long-time listeners of the Dimp Digital products that have been wheeled out for years on end, we used to follow a, a more structured approach to reviews and what I call game reports. So there'd be several categories that we would cover off for every game. Um, and the, the, but essentially, Logan mostly, actually, ironically, again, it's sort of tied back in again when I wanted to do this. Logan would typically interview me about a game using the a, a standard framework. It was it's, it's quite flexible, but there are certain things we like to cover off. And I thought, mm. let's try that again. Let's just see how that works. And I wanted to do it with Pokemon Legends Arceus because that's a game that I've most recently just finished. And from your perspective, I know you were kind of sniffing around it, but you'd even mentioned to me the other day that he was kind of waiting for my thoughts on it. So it's an opportunity to sort of kill two birds with one stone. Stop me babbling into the abyss, abyss, sorry, Mm. about all sorts. And hopefully let you do a bit of driving and find out some of the bits that you want. So... You're going to be taking over um, hosting duties for a little bit and asking me about Pokemon Legends Arceus. So I will hand over to Logan. Yeah. So I'm now the super rust merchant in terms of... I don't think we've done one of these for a very long time. Yes. And I think I was just saying to you when I'm I was like... A beer. Was, yeah, no worries, yeah. Um, I was saying, oh, I wonder when the last time we did this was. And it was some time ago... Um, I can't even remember what the last proper review we did was. Um, but up until this point, we've done them all pretty much just by having a chat. And yeah. that sometimes does drive out a lot of the good questions. But sometimes I feel like there's some key bits that we probably do miss by just waffling through. So I always feel like the formal, you know, the formal list, if you like, of bits that we should cover mm. and see where that conversation conversation takes this is, is a good thing to do but um obviously we're going to be doing pokemon legends arceus one that you know i'm a big pokemon fan cool. pokemon go still on the go um and i got the last pokemon game and i saw this one crop up and i was like this seems like a, a match made in heaven for a lot of people especially me mm. um and i know you were picking it up and i was like well, there's no rush for me to get this joey apps is on it <laughs> We'll see what happens. Yes. Um, so, if you want to start where we always start, which is them cards on the table, and if you want to lay them down, we'll we'll then see where we go from there. Yeah. So, cards on the table. Nintendo Switch is the platform of I wouldn't say choice. I'd say force. There's no other way to play it other than the Switch. <laughs> Believe you me, if this was available on anything else, <laughs> I would play it on that. 
but that's not the hand that we've been dealt with Nintendo's links to the Pokemon group and, uh, and Game Freak making these. So it's a Nintendo Switch exclusive, played play primarily in docked mode, although it did take probably about two, three hours into handheld. Uh, there wasn't too much difference between the two. And at the end of the day, I played it for about 35 hours now. So the story's finished, the credits have rolled, and I've spent about five hours messing around in the end game. So probably 30 hours to get to the conclusion of the story base part. And then these extra five hours I've been just whittling away at sort of end game stuff and, and side quests. Um, in terms of experience of the genre or the franchise is more important for Pokemon. Now I call myself a Pokemon fan, but then I was thinking about it. I've not played one since Pokemon Red. So we're talking 25 odd years. <laughs> You didn't pick up any of the re sort of dumb ones on the Switch set. No, didn't do. Uh. I, I look. Let's go Eevee and let's go Pikachu, mm. which, in my opinion, is a, a bastardization of the franchise. <laughs> like you're tossing balls at the red to catch them. Yeah. There's no battling to them. Yeah. What? What are they doing with that? I was not. I took. I did not want to get involved with that. Um, mm. Sword and Shield. I was kind of on board for, but then when I, I looked at the reception, it was a bit, not, it wasn't terrible by any means, but it wasn't the sky high superstar kind of ratings I'd expect. And the formula, arguably since Pokemon Red was kind of still rampaging through that, it hadn't, it hadn't kind of evolved too much. So yeah, I, I've never really gone back to it. You know, it's it started as a Game Boy game for me. They felt like handheld games and, then, and never having my own... Nintendo console, other than a Game Boy, which is a handheld, uh, color. Come on, I wasn't, I wasn't poor. A Game Boy color, <laughs> and the Wii, like they, they're sort of my two opportunities to play the franchise, and I just never did. Got the Switch on launch, and then yeah, I had two games prior to this for Pokemon, and and absolutely binned them. So <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a while, but I have been one of those fans that have just been waiting for, you know, the promise of the childhood dream like the 3D, fully sort of open Pokemon wandering around in the wild. And that's, for better or for worse, is kind of what we've ended up for. I think it was the, um, do you remember the N64 game? I think it was like Arena Battle or something. I was literally just thinking about that when you were talking about it. So, you have to wind back time. When we played it on the, mm. the Game Boy, it was a Game Boy game, you know, top down, yeah. basic graphics. I remember seeing the N64 battle game and at first, I didn't understand because reasonably young, wasn't reading loads of magazines. I thought, oh, wow, this is like going to be a 3D game, like open game, blah, blah, blah. I thought it was going to be the Game Boy game, but looking like mm. this incredible, you know, is in proper colour. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And it turned out it was just single battles, which I hated on the, the original games. I hated the battling because I could never, I mean, it's not hard, is it? You know, fire burns grass. Don't be, don't be putting that post on. But in my head, when I was as a youngster, I could never quite get to grips with it. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. So ever since that game, I saw that where my dreams were crushed, and I realised it was just a battle game. I then realised actually, this, this is what I want from the franchise. And then 2022 comes around, and we've kind of got there by hook or by crook. When you think about it, it's a bit weird that it's taken this long to get to this point with this game. Mm. And I always wondered whether with Pokemon it was something that generally people of all ages enjoyed or whether it was just because we were of that age yeah. when Pokemon trading cards were the thing 
Mm. and we had all the new games out and all that kind of stuff where it was just one of those things that kind of stick with you because of the nostalgia of it yeah um but it seems to have always resonated with with a load of um age groups really um and it still continues to to resonate with people but it's interesting that you know this has cropped up now as you say in 2022 and it feels like to a lot of people this is the the holy grail if you like of of yeah. pokemon games yeah um it should be but uh <laughs> do you want to talk a bit around you know i mean i'll say the story again I, I have to be honest you know i completely have done as little as possible in terms of research on the actual game yeah. because I, I i think it's something that i've tend to have picked up from you over the years which is this whole reluctance to get spoiled for me which is why i again didn't watch that ragnarok it's a trailer. terrifying prospect to, to do that though because as soon as any information comes to you you're like oh i didn't want yeah, to hear I nothing mean, is that there is a balance to destroying your life and not just seeking out the ending of, of certain media things. yeah yeah absolutely yeah um but if you want to talk to a bit you know is that st- is it the classic pokemon story setting you know well, and, and characters or is it you know something new world that they've created for us so right so you start off you create your own character like you normally would in any Mm. pokemon game you give them a name and then you drop out of what they call a space-time rift okay now god only knows how you don't break your neck on the way down the height (laughs) that thing's flapping around up in the sky from but Mm. for you know for better reasons you you land up on the beach outside a village called jubilife village okay and it's a relatively new settlement, this region. So these people that live here have, have, have come to the region. doesn't really give them a backstory on where they came from, but they're, they're newish sort of settlers. And you join up with the local kind of uh, authority figures there, which are called the Galaxy Expedition Team. Um, and they say, look, if you want to stay here, you need to join you know, one of our teams that are in there. You get no choice of where you go. They say, look, you're going to go and join the Survey Corps which are pretty much the research and development part for Pokemon. So that's, you know, you can say it's a bit of luck, but that's that's how it's kind of filtered through. And from there, you kind of give them, not three objectives, but several objectives that, are, that flow throughout the game. So the first one, obviously, is like you're in a survey course, so you want to seek out all the Pokemon and you want to get the, get the Pokedex complete. That log... Get that logbook up to date. We want to find out what these creatures are doing. So that's fine. That's something that's been in pretty much all Pokemons. As it's not the main quest, but it's something to do post game usually because you, you very rarely will get to all of them. So that's there. Um, and then since this this space time rift has has formed, what's happened is there are there are Pokemon in each zone or biome called Noble Pokemon. And they sort of oversee that area. Since the space-time rifts appeared, they've started frenzying, which is basically means they've gone a bit AWOL. They've gone a little bit, you know, short-circuited. Mm. And so they're not, not being friendly to humans. They're causing destruction and chaos. So those, those need to be quelled. You can't be having them roaring around, destroying people and, and doing all that. So that needs quelling. And then lastly, there's that fucking space-time rift in the sky. That kind of needs dealing with, doesn't it? That can't be left unattended to because... You've just dropped out of there, and God knows what else is pouring out of that shithole, so that needs to be dealt with as well. Um, so you're not, you are not wandering around to each area or each region 
looking for gym leaders and people to battle uh, to win a sort of a Pokemon championship assault. This is set in a time period which takes place, I would say chronologically, at the beginning of all the Pokemon games. Mm. So we're going right back now. So none of the, this is, origin story. It, is, it, it absolutely is. This feels like the first Pokemon game um, because oh. of the time, because of the period. Humans and Pokemon have only just started interacting with each other. In fact, there's a very mm. the very first Pokeball has only just been invented. That's how early it is. We're talking right. on that level. Um, so we're right at the beginning of this this franchise. And that obviously lends itself to some very interesting scenarios and, and interactions. Like I said, there's no gyms. Now, there are people to battle, but there's no formal sort of gym structure there for you to, to get through. Mm. Um, there's no battling league. But um, at best, people are kind of unsure about Pokemon. And at worst, a lot of them are quite scared of them. So this slots really nicely in with your kind of job or your task, I guess, from the Survey Corps, to research and learn about the Pokemon. It makes sense why you're going out to do this, because then you can come back and report and say, look, they're not nasty. This one is. Don't go near him. He'll fucking poison you, that one. Pikachu, he's all right, that little guy. So, yeah, you're. I've really found the whole setting and time period fascinating, because... You know, normally you've dropped into a game and it's like, yeah, Pokemon have been around hundreds, hundreds of years, but we've even got a fighting league set up. There's money. This is not. This is back to like, oh, what are these creatures? We need to find out more about them. It lends itself really nicely to the uh, to how the game sort of plays out. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm completely surprised at that. Um, when you started talking to that, I was thinking, how does that, like in my head, I was trying to link that back into like, the lore that I know of mm. Pokemon. And I was like, I don't understand how that fits in. But now you kind of position it in that way and say, well, it's right at the outset. You go, well, yeah, perhaps that does make sense then. And you, you, it's a research project rather than an aim to beat all the gym leaders. Correct. Like, yeah. which, is, which, to be fair, I quite like the sound of that because I have to be honest, after playing Pokemon games for, what, you know, 25 years, mm. it, it, that same old... Um, Start and I think that's what probably why that one of the reasons I didn't finish Let's Go Pikachu cool. was because I was like, ah, oh, because now I know that I've just got to go and do that <laughs> rinse and repeat stuff yeah. again. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That's why I found that harder to 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 complete than than the other ones. But um, this next section mm. is the one that concerns me. Um, just from the murmurings I've heard in the gaming community, so. I'm just going to say it how it is worded in our little structure. Technical proficiency, presentation and performance. Because I think that sums up what I'd like you to talk to me about a bit more. <laughs> because they're the three things mm. I really want to know how you felt. Because I know that Ronnie has got some very specific needs in life. And that they can be <laughs> missed quite easily. <laughs> he doesn't let a lot go, Ronnie. No. Well, we'll see. I mean, look, first of all, no hard crashes. So it's not one of these games that will just bum out on you. So you haven't got to worry about that. Let's get that out of the way with. Frame rate. It is a bit stuttery. Like, it's not smooth. It's 30 FPS. It's not constantly stuttering, but you will notice it, particularly in areas where things get a bit hairy. 
I kept, I noticed it most when I would engage a sprint. Like it felt like it was a bit of a like a stutter or splurt to it. So that mm. that's not great, but eyes, you know, your perception will adjust over that. In, in terms of just the way the game looks, you know, art style wise or, or whatever. I mean, there's no other way to to describe it other than awful. <laughs> like there is, there, there's, there's, there's not. I mean, the, the art style might not be too terrible, but what Game Freak have done in terms of like execution is just bad. Like there is a huge amount of texture popping as you travel across the land. Uh, things quite literally pop up in front of your face. As you as you walk through, large chunks of landscapes, a fucking great big eel or mountain might just suddenly appear. And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, Pokemon. So it's got like no draw distance. No, so yeah, so, the draw distance yeah. is so low. Pokemon do it. NPC, the lot. This will all just pop out. You know, no shame. Just yep, yeah, there it is. Just suddenly appearing. They haven't even tried to cover it up with mist or anything like the old games. You play Silent Hill now. You look back at that Silent Hill Two. That's misty as fuck because the draw distance don't go very far. <laughs> it's just and then you'll walk over to like a rock which is which you know for once is rendered whilst you're there which is a surprise <laughs> and you'll be looking at it and then suddenly the texture on that will flash and change because it's got a you know a, a better version that it decides it wants to show you and um you know it's it, it is what it is it's, it's funny to kind of make jokes about it but there are actual times when you're looking for an NPC in the world or a specific Pokemon or a specific item and the lack of draw distance and the constant popping absolutely gets in the way and hinders you because you have to walk so much closer to a particular boundary than you would do normally in most Mm. games because the fucking Pokemon might not pop in there. So you can't thoroughly check a place without going pretty close to everything. So that, you know, it's really rough in, in that sense. There's there's things like when you go into a cave or a dark area, there's like a weird white flicker behind your character. That's really strange. And look, if this was Sony or Xbox first party releasing this, it would be royally crapped on. You wouldn't, you, you don't be getting away with it at, at that level. But it is excused to, to some extent because... This is an evolution for the Pokemon franchise. We've talked about the story a little bit, but in terms of how it's structured and the options that you've got. But I don't know. Just, is that good enough for just, a game in 2022? Not, like, no, really? it's not. It's not good enough, really. Um, and especially when you contrast it to Xenoblade Chronicles 3, the trailer for that. That's a big, sprawling open world game. That looks great on the Switch. Adkins was talking the other week about Monster Hunter Rise. That's a Switch game. Uh, at heart that looks great so there's no you can't sit there and say oh it's because it's on old hardware it's that bloody switch because we've had similar games of similar scope that look far far better than this it's really not very good it's um it it absolutely hinders its ability to score highly because it's just not it's not meeting a what i feel like is a standard criteria i can get I, i can get on board with games where the art style to me looks ugly but when it just is just crap to play through in terms of visuals because they've got all these bits popping in, that is that is an issue. And I can't sit here with, with hand on heart and give it a, a pass, really. And it's a shame because, like I said, there's no hard crashes. There's no um, 
There's no real bugs to speak of. I didn't run into any quest bugs or any random geometry bugs. So that's all clean. The code is relatively clean, but the the <laughs> the presentation of the the outfit is is not very good. Mm. And that's your lot on there. I I just think nowadays, you know, you used to be able to get away with that ten maybe fifteen years ago with that sort of stuff. But when everyone's sitting here now with UHD monitors, 4K. We've got 60 <laughs> FPS. We've got more than that on some of the PCs. Like the, t especially for these, you know, big games. I don't understand how. Sometimes I don't know. There seems to be more of a trend nowadays of games being released half baked mm. in some way, whether that's technically, whether it's limited game modes, whatever it is. But I find, you know. I find it amazing that by what you're telling me there, like with texture popping and all that kind of stuff, like severe texture popping issues like that, that's been signed off. Like I don't understand <laughs> at what point they get to where they just go, like, especially if you put the time and effort into developing that game, like you would know yourself that that is below par yeah. for a Pokemon game. But mm. whether they just go, sorry, we've got to get it out, Alan, like... <laughs> this is your final day doing it if you don't sort it then it goes out like whatever the weather yeah um it sounds a bit odd to me it's a strange one i mean i've i've speculated last week with or a week or two ago with adkins around it i don't i don't think it is necessary laziness i mean it could be just that nintendo are somewhat masters of doing the bare minimum and then still sort of getting a pat on the back for it. Like we all, we all know Breath of the Wild could have been better technically because that ran with subpar frame rates for a lot for parts of the game. It's kind of like okay, we'll let you off the hook. But I, I honestly think it's just Game Freak. To be fair to them, I'll take it on a far bigger you know ask than they previously has have for this franchise, and mm. they haven't they haven't got the chops for it. You know, mm. in their current capacity, do they need more investment? I mean, mm. they're, they're working on the single best-selling, most revenue-driven gaming IP on the planet. So they should have mm. every resource available to them to make their games great. Because they're going to mm. sell, and it has sold. 6.5 million it sold in the first weekend. Yeah, it's gone. That that money's mm. there. It needs to be reinvested. I think I think it's more of just a an ability issue rather than a an actively like, oh, we can't be bothered. But mm. who knows? We'll never, we'll, ne we'll never know, will we? Basically, they did what they could, prioritise the money in other areas than mm. than that, for whatever reason. But that Pokemon Go has been making them fortunes for years as well. They've been make, they're making hand over fist with Pokemon. Yeah, I mean that. It's it, not a lack I, of resource. It isn't an indie fucking IP. It's been come out of nowhere. This is a the, yeah. one of the biggest franchises on earth. Going off track, mm. but there's a special event in February on Pokemon Go, <laughs> okay. and you have to buy a ticket to be part of it. And the ticket cost is £10.99, right? <laughs> it is, honestly, and, that, and then you've got all the other... Per yeah, they are making a fuckload of cash. Like, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. It just amazes me. Like, I, I, I must be honest, you know, when, I, when I've heard some of people's gripes, it has been around this technical piece. Yeah. But I didn't know it was that bad. I thought it was more just the game, just graphically, wasn't probably up to up to par but it sounds like, sort of like that whole package graphically technically yeah. in, in almost every way it's just poor by today's standards yeah i mean there's been there's been more technical proficient games released on the ps2s like it yeah that's ridiculous. They, that's that's what it is and like mm. you know granted it looks a lot a lot more manageable on a handheld because the screen's small you don't notice it as much 
but you're docking that thing, chucking it on anything half decent, and it's just not. Mm. I, mean, I mean, I don't even talk about like resolution and stuff because that's the least of its worries. Normally, <laughs> normally in the Switch games, you're like, that looks a bit fuzzy. But that, yeah. you don't even worry about that with some of the other stuff going on. <laughs> it's annoying because, oh. like I said, the code is clean. It's not a buggy game. Uh, it's yeah. just, it's just been put together with not as much, you know, <laughs> enhancements the as thing what is, most standard games have had. You put that on like a, a top of the range TV mm. in in like in docked mode, yeah. and you must think, "Core, yep. like what is this?" Yep. Absolutely, it's do. incredible. And did throughout yeah. my experience, like it's, it's distracting all the way into the 35th hour, and I was like, "Oh, what's that rock doing there?" <laughs> oh, that wasn't a rock; that was a Pokemon. Fucking hell! So, I guess getting away from that, do you want to talk a bit about, you know, we know it's an open world game. Do you want to get a bit into, you know, what the actual flow of the game is and, you know, how mm. you sort of go through the story and, and yes. meet all those favourite little characters that we know? Yes. So, the, hmm, how do I describe this? The way it's, the way it's structured is that, that Juby Life Village, which I mentioned earlier, that is a hub. So, you will be departing from Jubilife Village, going to a zone and coming back frequently for, you know... And is that because you'll have a specific quest or task in a zone to do? You don't just go, right, I'm going to go and have a little clear down over here. No, yeah, there's no, there's, there's specific mm. tasks and quests that, that go to specific zones, but you've got Jubilife Village that is kind of like your hub area, so that's where you'll collect new quests mostly. There's a mm. few out in the field, but mostly you'll you'll be talking to people in the village and they will give you, oh, could you do this? And you're like, okay... But there's also five zones or biomes or maps, whatever yeah. you want to call them, that you can visit individually. So these aren't, this isn't a seamless open world. Those five biomes are not connected. You know, they are, you load into that area. It might right. be the snow biome and that'll be that. And it's, you know, they're fairly big, but they, this isn't mm. Horizon. This isn't GTA. This isn't Breath of the Wild where you wander off. It's exact, It's almost identical to the way Monster Hunter plays in that you kind of go off to an area, do a load of quests, come back, hand it all in, get some XP, pick some more stuff up, and then on your bike again. Um, and you, you have to go back to Jubilife City, because you, uh, Village rather, because you can't actually travel from one biome to the other. It forces you to come back to the village each time, which is a bit strange. Um, but but there you go. So you always head back to that place. But the zones and the biomes that you go to, you can freely explore with little or no restrictions. Okay, so some stuff you can't access because you don't have the means to get to that area. So it might be that you want you need a mount to aid you to get to a certain area. Um, but generally, there's no kind of like walled bits where you can't go to. Like if you can if you can get there by jumping, you can you know you'll be able to find your own way kind of up there. And uh, yeah, speaking of mounts, the mounts are really cool in this. You know, there's there's several of these that you will acquire over the course of the game, and they offer really useful and quick ways for you to get about. There's fast traveling within each biome as well, so there's normally at least two camps that you can fast travel to, and they do contextualize it because when you dropped out the sky, you get given this thing called an arc phone. And that tells you basically, oh, seek out all the Pokemon. So that's the one where you get that little message from. That little device enables you to teleport. So Ronnie could sign it off and say, yep, I can use that because it's being, it's being contextualized. Um, I was going to ask you about that because you don't normally do fast travel, do you? I hate Ronnie it. Ronnie don't like it. I hate it, yeah. I just, mm. I, what's the point playing open world games if you're going to fast travel everywhere? Yeah. 
Like part of the fun of like those games to me are just sort of are, are the event of getting from A to B. That's where you get your immersion and the gameplay. random interactions. Yeah. And, yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah. So, mm. but they contextualise it here, so it's it's not the end of the world. It's a good option to have. Um, mm. And look, there's no fucking bandits waiting to trap you whilst you're running around, so you're not going to miss those sort of elements if you do mm. fast travel. But the basic kind of loop is that you'll start at Jubilife Village, um, you'll take out quests, both side quests or, or main quests, so there's, there's, there's a distinction between the two, so that's kind of quite handy. Head out to a zone, um, explore, uh, interact, catch or battle with the Pokemon that are in that zone. There's usually a few dozen types that are lurking in each biome. Some only come out at certain times in the day, some only come out at night, some are more prone to appearing in certain weather types, so you've kind of got that ecosystem going on there. You can mm. collect resources, you can craft items, you'll complete your quests or as many as you feel like you, you want to. Hand in your research notes on the way back through to the professor. So that's like looking at all your Pokedex sort of history, going, yep, yeah, right, you found a new Pokemon, thank you. And you'll get XP for that. You head back to the village and progress and kind of do that again. Um, and the Pokedex itself is quite interesting because each time you see a new Pokemon, it will log it in a page view, so have its own page. And rather than it being like the usual goal of like, just catch the Pokemon and be done with it, there's actually a list of different interactions that will give you research points um, when you kind of interact with it in different ways. And to complete a Pokedex entry, it's not just about catching it, it's about completing those research points that are in there. Now, you only need to get 10 for each Pokemon, and there's usually about 30 or 40 on offer. So you haven't got to do everything that's on the list, just a, a, a portion of them. So that's quite interesting because um, there, there'll be things in there like catch five Pokemon. So you hit that milestone, you get a research point. Catch 10 Pokemon, okay, another research point. Uh, watch X Pokemon eat X Berry. Okay, you watch that once, that's a point. And So you can kind of stack these up. and mm. there's, there's other ones for battling them, seeing them doing particular moves, etc., etc. And you, you naturally, over time, will complete those. Um, but though, when you turn those in, like I said, to the professor, he will give you essentially XP towards the survey core rank that you're at. So you get a star for each rank that you're at. So by, by, by researching the Pokemon, that's how you'll kind of upgrade your, your character within the survey core and give you access to unlock higher Pokemon to manage because... If you're um if you if you meet a level one hundred Pokemon day one, you won't be able to you could catch it probably. I mean it'd be really hard, but it wouldn't obey your orders during battle, so it kind of ups that that cap as you go. Uh, and you also get access to new kind of items and other goodies as you as you do that. So that's the kind of loop you're looking at. It's definitely a change to the Pokedex because it's a little bit more involved. Some people call it busy work, which you know, it kind of is, but it's better than just sort of just going, oh, I'll catch it, and then you're done with that Pokemon. Like, you've really kind of got a... You're not like fucking David Attenborough, like, watching them, but, you know, you have to interact with them in certain ways to, to tick these off. And um, that's all kind of underpinned with what I would say is a reasonably good kind of control system. It's a bit stiff at times. Like, it does feel a bit stiff. But I feel like the controls are, are nicely laid out. So you could, you know, you can use your Pokemon to collect... Um, resources. So say an iron ore, you could you can throw the ball, the Pokemon will grab that for you. So if you run past a bit, rather than to run over to it, collect it yourself, you can get your Pokemon to do it. So that's useful. But you could, you know, and I've done this chain many, many times. You throw a Pokemon at the iron ore to get the resource. Then you jump on your mount 
and you ride across the map, you hop off, you dive into the long grass, you crouch, you pop an unaware Pokemon on the head with like a Pokeball, capture it, then you know it's another Pokemon at the corner of your eye that spotted you, they're about to attack you, they can attack you in real time, they can fire their attacks at you as the trainer, get hit by that and go down, you'll faint, or grab your Pokemon, throw one out, and you'll initiate the sort of classic time, uh, sorry, turn-based battle. So that's really mm. handy. That sounds like a lot, and they're it, but that's the, that's the freedom you kind of have. Like once you get reasonably advanced with the controls, it does get pretty slick, and um, that's where sort of the interesting interactions that I listed off earlier about completing the Pokedex sort of can can happen just dynamically within these biomes. You know that that's a very aggressive mm. and efficient way to play, but you could equally just slow things down, crouch sneak through the, the long grass, sort of chuck out some bait, and then the Pokemon will come along, start eating the bait. That makes them easier to capture, throw your ball out there. So you can you can play it however you kind of want to. You can go with the more stealthy approach, which does usually work better, or you can crash, bang, wallop, battle them, bring the health down and capture them that way. So you've got all sorts of bits and pieces there. Um, like I said, if you pass out, you'll go back to the nearest camp and you'll lose some item, items that are there. And uh, if you want to battle the Pokemon rather than them just trying to kill you, you have to select your Pokemon and chuck it out. And that uh, that slice of freedom puts you in the driver's seat. You can, <laughs> you, can, you can interact with this world however you want. And it is an addicting loop, whether you're doing slow and steady, fast-paced, or somewhere in between. Like, And you've got the quests to underpin like the objectives that you're doing. You feel like you're doing this for a reason, you know, helping people in the village. The village over time will slowly start building new buildings because of the help that you're giving them. You know, it's all like these sort of mm. meta things going on in the background. Um, I'll be remiss if I didn't talk about the battle system just quickly. I was just about to ask you about that. Yeah, so it's turn-based, which is kind of what I expected. Um, mm. I'm no turn-based expert whatsoever. That's definitely not my, my jam. Um, I'm, I'm not really that good at it. But I found it it's easy enough to understand, which is all I kind of needed. I did notice, though, there is a lot of, like, one-shot kills. Both me beating wild Pokemon and other people's Pokemon, and my Pokemon getting killed, like, in one hit. So it's a bit strange that there wasn't, like, these... The, the strategy never... Or didn't really come into it that often. It was more like, oh, I'll get the one shot on them, and they just died. And I was like, oh, that's a bit... It kind of... It's quick, I guess. But mm. it kind of made the battling not feel as um, as intense as what it perhaps could have done. Um, but as usual, you've got the different sort of strengths and weaknesses that each Pokemon have during the battle. So there's an indicator to tell you which moves are effective, super effective or not effective against the Pokemon you're against. That's really handy for someone like me who can't remember what the combinations are. There's a table in the game somewhere, but it's like, fuck referring mm. to that each time. It will just tell you in the move set. So if your Pokemon gets knocked down, like mine does, one-shotted, you throw your next one out and you're like, right, what moves he got? Okay, that's got a super effective. Let's put him out and that'll, that'll kind of do do the element there. One cool little note, this is a minor thing, but I noticed that if it's raining in the open world um, and you go to use a fire or burn attack, because it's raining, the effect of those moves are reduced. So it's not it's not a major grand scale, yeah, yeah. but it's just a nice little little detail they've put in there. So oh yeah, of course, of course, a fire attack out in the open during the rain would mm. would lessen that the impact of that. 
to that. Yeah, but theoretically, an electric attack, for example, you'd expect to be enhanced, amplified. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. So it's, yeah, okay. Right. That's interesting. I mean, it's, it, it feels, when you're saying oh, it tells you which moves are effective and not, I was mm. thinking, oh, that's a bit of a, I wouldn't say a cheat, but when you're battling, obviously, in Pokemon, half of the, half of it is knowing which moves and which Pokemon to yeah. use. And obviously having certain Pokemon with certain moves, you know, are, are effective against certain other Pokemon. But I guess, you know, in terms of making that playable, mm. I I think even to my head, trying to figure out which ones work, and which one don't would probably be a bit irritating. Yeah. But yeah. that's because I'm now 34, not, you know, <laughs> no, not 15. It. Yeah. <clears throat> there's tons of combinations as well. Like, I, I, it's mm. a big table. It's like, there's fucking like two dozen long and half a dozen. It's like, bloody hell. It's a lot to remember. Yeah. So it's handy just having those little mm. indicators there. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. This will yeah. slaughter him. So I've kind of got one overriding question, which I don't. I've been trying to figure out is there a right point or not to ask it, but I'm just going to kind of go for it now. Cool. My overriding thought on it is does this. RPG kind of 3D world, if you like, enhance the experience. Like, is it better? Does it, does taking away those graphical, technical bits? I mean, it's fair enough if you say that ruins it. Mm. But does, you know, compared to that classic Pokemon mode, is it better, the same, or just different? If that makes sense. Like, do you think? I have enjoyed playing this more because of how it is here as opposed mm. to that classic experience that I'm used to having. <clears throat> I think personally, from my perspective, it absolutely has enhanced it. 100%. Mm. Like I, I don't, I can't foresee a world where I would have even bothered with Pokemon again unless they carried out this kind of, this, mm. this evolution that people have been calling for for so long mm. now. It's been decades so yeah. for me, absolutely enhanced it. Now you're always going to get the purists. Yeah. Like, well, I like it when they pop out in the grass and fucking bum rush it. So I, all right, yeah. but it's there's a, there's always so much to do in Pokemon, and with the Pokedex, with the with being able to see, well, being able to see the Pokemon if you're close to them because they'll fucking pop mm. out. Otherwise, you know, you can you can just spot. And go, oh, I need to get an EV. Mm. just all right i'll go over that and then start interacting with it and thinking right i need to catch Mm. it or whatever i need to do i just for me it just creates a far more dynamic and and slicker package Mm. and the the turn-based stuff is still there it's got the level of depth that's required i think it needs balancing Mm. you know in later games it does it does take a bit more of a, a job to balance it to be fair but you still often run into stuff that you'll just kill in one shot and that's annoying if you want to capture them as well because yeah, you don't you don't right. want to you don't want to knock them out, but mm. that's that's the one thing I would say. But in terms of the change, the evolution to what Legends Arceus is offering, it, for me, it's a hundred percent a positive. Like it was just, I it, it has to be. And outside of a purist that wants old school, you know, I, I can't see why many people would would want it to go back to the other way. To be honest. No, I mean, I, I've, I'm, I'm exactly the same as you in that, you know, I was waiting for this when I was a kid and it didn't ever come. No. And now it's here. I'm trying not to get excited about it because no, I, I, in my older age, I am more, well, even more of a pessimist nowadays than I used cynical to be. Cynical bastard. Oh, cynical old bastard. And I think, oh, if they haven't, you know, 
it's a big ask mm. for them to get something. There's a lot of weight of expectation on it, I think, yeah. because it's such a highly anticipated, um, you know, form of the game that, that everyone's been waiting for. Mm. Um, I don't think, I think it's a lot to ask to get it all right. I, I mean, even that battle system, even if they went, we're revamping that, I'd go, all right. Yeah. I mean, the turn-based thing was of its time, and it's similar to to how you'd play the card game. But mm. there's an even a, a you know a, a way you could look at that and go, we'll make that more of a real-time battle or something like more more interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, and look, it's all are, up for grabs. There are kind of real-time elements to this because if you mm. bump into a Pokemon out in the wild, it will just start attacking you. Yeah, so it'll fire out its fire attack at you, and you have to dodge that as the as the, as the sort of you're not even a trainer now, are you? Researcher, I guess you have to yeah. kind of dodge that because you don't want to be snarled up and hit it. Um, mm. And there are you know tougher Pokemon that you need to do a mixture of sort of real time dodging and, and throwing items at them and turn based. They kind of blend that mm. in with some of the frenzy Pokemon you take on. Mm. Um, but so they've got a nice balance there. I think you can't. I wouldn't be doing away with the turn based stuff for sure, but. The, the, the real-time aspects there are quite light, but they just kind of give it a new dimension mm. that we've not really had before. Um, does it does it have a funky theme tune like all the others have? Yes, okay. It has no voice acting. We're talking about the sort of sound-based stuff, so everything's there's no voice acting at all. Oh. So all I mean, new. to be fair... I don't think any of them have, have, have they? Have, no, it's all just been the writing. Yeah, so that's the same here. And then things like, oh, online... You know, you can, it's a cool, well, not that cool, but you can, when people die or faint, I should say, don't actually die, they drop a bag and you can go and find, like in theory, I could find Adkins' bag and re- return it for him and then he would get some of his items back and I'd get a reward. I'd um, go and hide it. Uh, yeah, if you could have that, I would absolutely. So that's, that's like a little sort of semi-asymmetrical online piece. You can trade with yeah. others online, but there's no online battling. So that's not going to be an option. Not that I'd have much interest in that um, mm. on that side of things. But the one thing I did want to mention about all the good stuff about how the game's structured is that the the way the quests and the journal is set up is just is pretty bad as well. And like it's just so hard to manage all the different quests you've got because you can only ever activate one at a time. So you are forever going in. You might have a dozen of them sitting there. You're like, where do I get to on that one? Hit it, and it'll be like, right, you've got to go back to Jubilife Village, and it's like, okay, I need to go back for that one. Next one, it's like, oh, you've got to go over here. You can't activate more than one of them, so you can't you can't just do a clear down and then have the, have the map kind of tell you where you need to go. And it's a pain in the arse, that is. Because let's say you have a side quest, yeah. and it's like, oh, complete a Pokedex en- entry for Magikarp. And you naturally just do that if you see a few of them, you'll interact with them. But the quest log won't tell you that you've you've completed that. I have to manually go into the Pokedex and check my research points. And I'm like, Oh, I've done that. Okay. Now I can go back because even if you haven't done it, the quest marker will be telling you to go back to the person you spoke to to hand it in. And they'll just say, you haven't done it yet. And you're like, fucking hell. Can we have a little bit of a fucking extra bit here? Like, and it's maddening because you have so many of these side quests at one time, potentially yeah. and trying to just, efficiently work your way I like efficiency you know go into an area clear what we go down hand in what I can here then go out to the village mm. hand in what I've got start afresh and it's just so difficult to do inside the game so in the end for the end game I got so fed up of it that I set up my own notepad 
where I wrote down the quests, the location of where to hand in and the location of where the quest is going to, so that when I was going to a new biome, I'd be like, right, I can do this and this here, and there are these yeah. Pokemon in that area that I need to look at. Right, done. And now I've had to do it that way. So that's diabolical. <laughs> Somehow made it worse than that Outriders one that we had. Well, at least that'll tell you where to go. <laughs> I get it for sometimes. It's like go and investigate a Pokemon. It's like, you don't want to tell you where the Pokemon is. It's, you know, yeah. you find it and then you check your journal. But at least tell me when it's time to hand in. Because yeah. it does tell you when to hand in when you've got a certain item there after or resource. So you collect mm. five ore. That'll tick off. Little fucking tick on the journal. There you go. You can hand that in now. And some of them it doesn't. Half baked it. Fucking annoying. That's what it is. Like it, they clearly <laughs> haven't thought about that when you've got so much stuff going on. Mm. Like if, if I had my way, I should be able to just choose to have markers everywhere. I should be able to activate them all. And if if they say, "Well, you'd be overwhelmed," it's like, "Well, that's how I want to do it. I want to I want to have to be mm. able to see everything." But no, one at a time. One main quest or one side quest you can see on your 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 map or your your yeah, area. I mean, it's going. it's RPG one hundred and one, really, isn't it? Clear yeah. down an area, do everything, go and hand it all in. Yeah, you know, you don't <clears throat> you don't tend to go off, go right. I'm going to do this one quest, go and do that one quest, yeah, and then go back and hand it in. No, exactly. like you don't. And that's, that's not the way. That's where the zone where the zone area kind of makes it worse because you have to come out of the zone and go back to the mm. village each time. It was yeah, in an open yeah. world, you could be like, what's the next one? Hit the thing. You'd be like, oh, it's over there. Yeah. Where, yeah. Whereas there's a good chance that you'll hit the next one. It's like, oh, it's in, in the snow biome. You're like, oh, I've got to come out. I've got to load out of this entire area. Go back. I might as well hand in the one quest and then go off and do yeah. that one. I just found it a bit archaic. And um, I'm sure people yeah. were like, well, well that's, that's how it was for me. Yeah, I don't like that. I like picking them all up in one group and then going, done. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, unless there's anything else you want to call out, it kind of brings us to the the crux of the matter, mm. which is that f- those Joey Apps final thoughts and official grading. Yeah, I mean, look, it's basically been docked a full mark for the technical crap that I mentioned, and and another half mark for the archaic journal and quest management. <laughs> So it's lost 1.5 already. Whatever I'm about to say, those two alone have taken a big shit on it. This is, yeah. this is but this is absolutely the direction I want Pokemon to go in on the future. It's kind of like yeah. it's the bones of the childhood dream. It stutters, it stumbles in some areas. It's very much a foundational release and something that I do hope they can build on and improve and enhance over time. It's kind of like this is not restaurant quality because of the, the problems I've mentioned. But it's like if you ordered like a pizza from, you know, a takeout, you've got a takeaway pizza, <laughs> comes through, it's like, it's big and messy. Like it's a bit grimy in some areas. You'd be like, cool, that looks a bit dodge in certain areas. But this is like a big messy pizza that someone's sprinkled some crack on. Because <laughs> it's so Moorish. Once you, once you get that hook and you start going through that loop, you're like, bang. Like why, why am I playing this five hours after the credits roll? Very rarely do that. Um, mm. And there was hours. There were hours just evaporating when I was playing it, you know, during the main quest. So it has that addictive nature to it. And if it gets your hooks in, you'll be you'll be struggling to get off it. But you know, it has some very glaring issues, which I don't think many people can defend or disagree with. But it's still, you know, it's still got enough there. I feel like that if you're 
if this was what you've been looking for for a while and you feel like in your mind you can excuse or ignore the technical stuff, then you're going to find something compelling here and it's probably going to reignite your um, your love for this, this franchise, which may have been on ice for a while. So taking it all into account, I'll give it a nice flat 7.0 bronze. So it could have had an 8.5 in theory. So disappointing, though. It, it is a bit, of, yeah. And I yeah. had to, ba- I have to balance my disappointment with actually what's there. It's, it's absolutely a part of me. It's like, yeah. oh, this could be so much better, but it's not. And I don't think it's as disastrous as it could have been because the other, the other elements really do carry it. You know, mm-hmm. say it's got like four pillars that are holding up this game. Like one of them is, it's not gone, mm. but if you pushing it a bit that'll crumble away like the non-technical side that's clearly the weakest part of this it's in, in dire mm. shape but most of the other stuff around it is just a breath of fresh air for the for the sort of pokemon community i, I mm. dread to think someone that's been playing them all these years every single one of them they're gonna be like wow this is incredible but it's got problems there i can't in any good conscience give it anything close to an eight really because for me that's where your baseline technical need to be sound and it, and it wasn't so it's always going to be sitting in that 7 7.5 maybe lower but i think ultimately it kind of earns its keep over time and uh you know graphics and performance aren't everything but they are a, a factor and um that's i think that's reflected in the, the the score yeah i mean it's i just hate things it's always like you know what could have been yeah i guess for this one i mean it's not saying it can't be in the future i mean i'm no. sure they'll, they'll obviously look at it and go for the next one ain't gonna be nowhere near as rough as that you'd, you'd expect but um it just you know you just think the dream package is still not here yet not the complete like package yeah you know um and we may we may look there's a good chance they never they never get it up to looking like if it weren't with bloody Nintendo, and if it was with anyone else, if you know, if any other, it would already have been there years ago. It's just for some reason that we're confined to these bastards (laughs) that just want to keep it wrapped up in this bloody technology. Imagine sitting there on the glorious Xbox or PS5 or PC playing something incredible. It just pipe dream that is anyway. I would, I would tend to agree with that. Um, right, I think it's time we called it. Probably more than time we called it. Yeah. That as was, per usual. I did wonder how long that full sort of game report would take, and um, that's got to give me a, a barometer to look at. So mm. um, normally don't like to go long. I try and keep it an hour, believe it or not, but very rarely do. And then mm. the, the maximum is, is 90 minutes, so we're still within that time constraint, so I don't think that's unreasonable. And... Uh, Next week. Not bad for me and you. No, not bad at all. Maybe I should have. And we covered the time constraint bits as well. Yeah. The the optional stuff. True. Unbelievable. I could have absolutely just cut those out and we'd have been closer to like the the target, but I don't think people will complain because if they are complaining, then they they would have switched off half hour (laughs) ago. Yeah. So if you're still here now, thank you. We appreciate you making it all the way to the end. As usual, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash dimp digital. Give us a bit of cash there join the core community or you can go to twitch.tv slash digital and subscribe there and if you've got twitch prime you can actually do it for free and we'll get half a beer out of it so 
We appreciate <laughs> those that are doing that. We appreciate their, their kindness and support. But there's nothing more for us to say here, though, other than thanks for your time. And ta-da. This was a Dimp Digital production.